in the Heights. Mm-hmm. Can we can we just for a moment? Mm-hmm. The musical. Revel in how <laughs> fucking good it was. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, shit. I had told Danny about it mm-hmm. very briefly. I was like, this is kind of the story, but you're really going to like it because it's it's like Latin music mm-hmm. and there's a lot of dancing and uh, it's it really just blew my mind. Yeah. And it was ugh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, you and Zeth had seen it. Yes. Before, or not seen it, but like heard it. Heard it. Yeah, knew yeah. about it. <clears throat> and Danny didn't. Mm-hmm. But. Cassie was like, here are tissues because we're going to need them. (laughs) And Danny's like, well, what the fuck sad is going to happen? And then two seconds in to this musical, Mm -hmm. Abuela is introduced and Danny just looks at me and goes, she's going to (laughs) die. Like she already knew from Uh. the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Um. No question. No question about what was going to go on there. (laughs) But seeing it, it gave... Because I've listened to the album a ton of times. Mm-hmm. But seeing it gave me a lot more context that I was missing. Absolutely. And I really liked it. It was so good. So much talent. Mm-hmm. Man, if I just had a, a little bit of that, I would be beyond pleased. Yeah. I like, would love that. Yeah. Like, Peaches is always telling me about... Shows that he's, like, doing wigs for or that he's in and how he's going to fucking tap dance in Mary Poppins <laughs> in three weeks. <laughs> he's, uh, he's afraid he might die <laughs> because it's so hard. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, like, he's super, he's a super talented singer. Mm-hmm. And all of his theater friends are and a ton of people that I know that I worked with in Pittsburgh are all musical theater people. Just... Just so much. I would love so that. much talent. I wish I was that talented. I think I, I get, was in a past life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get down to musicals all the time. Look, I don't think High School Musical should count. <laughs> um, first of all, it should. Second of all, that's not the only musical I get down to. <laughs> Really? Because it's the only one I've ever heard at your house. Because <laughs> it's the only one that the other ones, ex- the other people at my house accept. Oh, that gosh. and Hamilton. That's, I could that's be like down for a kickback that we play Hamilton at. That would be that would be sick. But that Hamilton so doesn't good. have like nostalgia. Zac Efron as a basketball <laughs> player in 2008 does. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb question. Of course it does. Gosh, millennials. <laughs> You're a millennial. I know. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The issue, <laughs> the issue is when if I would like sing and want to be in a musical, uh-huh. I always want the like male parts that have the like really deep voice because <laughs> that's what I'm really like. That's what I like to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like in Hades Town, yeah, Hades. Oh my god, his I can listen to chant. Uh-huh. All all day. <laughs> I just listened to after you mentioned it, mm-hmm. and I was like, I heard a couple things, but I actually listened to I think most of the album the other day, and it's I was like, sad. This is good. Yeah, you feel it. You feel it in your bones. Yeah. You'll like that too, Lord. If I'll play it for you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a deep voice. 
that I, when I sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except you almost barfed the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I have, for a long, long time, there's a voice that I have, very deep. Its name is Keith. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. People, people refer to that voice as Keith. Okay. And... I like singing in it, because mm-hmm. I actually don't think it sounds too bad. Okay. <laughs> Not great. But if I sing for too long, uh-huh. I, like, swallow my uvula, and I start gagging. <laughs> so there was... <laughs> I was in my car once, listening to Keep Singing by uh-huh. Rick Astley, over and over again. Oh, Jesus. And it was from the Safeway Hawthorne that I uh-huh. used to work at, to about where the max... Where the... Max starts running on Burnside. Oh, okay, yeah. And when I got to the, like, next to the Max, mm-hmm. I was like, keep singing. <laughs> keep singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. <laughs> it was really deep throat in that voice. Just <laughs> <laughs> my voice stopped allowing me to do that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> What I said, I oh, that's right. I said something about deep throating at your parents' house last night. Yep. And I was like, oh, boy, they're just right behind me. Yeah. And everybody at the, because I had my back to them, but mm-hmm. all of you guys were, like, looking at me mm-hmm. and past me. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you should I have am- been sitting where I was sitting, just so you could have always been aware <laughs> of where you were. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can see... Out the patio door and mm. all of your beautiful faces, but the whole fucking fam damly behind me. <laughs> and then I said something about sexual partners, and mm. everyone was like, Can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I was like, like oh. <sighs> I forget. <laughs> oh, hello, everyone. Oh, hello. Hi. Welcome to that Broad Scott Moxie. Hello. This is Kiana. This is Cassie. Danny's here. Whoop. <laughs> Dan. Dan Van Dam Barsan. Dan, Dan, I can't. Dan Van Dam Barsan. Mm-hmm. Dan Van Dam Barsan. That's fun to say. <laughs> it is, and that's why I keep saying it. <laughs> Valkyrie. <laughs> uh, all right. It is. We had a hard time with this one last week, too. It was 35 or 36? This is 36. 36. Oh, yeah, because I can go first. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in then. All right, this week. Who are you talking about? Because it is October. Mm-hmm. And we are doing spooky, what did you say? Spooky, shit, what's... What did I say? The skeleton. Oh, the song? Spooky, scary skeletons. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the second S word? Spooky. <laughs> shit. <laughs> yes. We're doing spooky, scary, Halloween-y, paranormal, all of those. Anything... That gives you chills Anything up your spine. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Or so, not supernatural, just scary. Just scary. So this week I'm going to talk about Lorraine Warren. <gasps> of the duo? <laughs> of the duo. Of the Warren? Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> of the famous paranormal investigative team, husband and wife of Lorraine and Ed Warren. Hello. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about this week. I was talking to Peaches on the phone the other day. Mm-hmm. And because he is, I, I told you this, mm-hmm. he, he's sensitive, is sensitive. Is, yes, exactly. 
And so to to paranormal <laughs> to paranormal. <laughs> I mean, I am sensitive hurt. as well. <laughs> so easily, <laughs> just a real sensitive guy. <laughs> yes, he is sensitive to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. To the supernatural, whatever. And so I told him about all of the episodes that we're doing for October. And I was like, I'm going to talk about Lorraine Warren. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> She's like his idol. He, he absolutely adores her. Yeah. So I was super excited. Okay. So I'm going to kick this off with a quote. And she said, this is in response to a question. She said, I wouldn't have been in this type of work for over 50 years if I hadn't believed in ghosts. True. Indeed. Okay. True debt. So, <laughs> Lorraine was born Lorraine Rita Moran in Devon, Connecticut. <laughs> what? It's almost Rita Moreno. It is almost Rita Moreno. <laughs> <Marino. laughs> Me and Danny just looked at each other and we were like... <gasps> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, so she's born in Devon, Connecticut on January 31st, 1927 to her parents, Georgiana and James. So in all my research, I couldn't find uh, a ton of information about her childhood, Mm -hmm. except I did find this little short anecdote. So Lorraine always felt like she was different Mm -hmm. and she spent many years praying about it. She's, both of them are super, super, they're both Catholic, both very, very religious people. Mm -hmm. She's like, something's wrong with me. (laughs) I gotta, I gotta get rid of this shit. Um, so her first psychic experiences began around the age seven or eight, uh, when she would see lights or auras around Mm -hmm. people. Mm. And she was super afraid to tell her parents, fearing they would think she was crazy. Which is understandable. Yeah. Side note. Peaches has a really great story about, he would talk about, he would talk to a woman named Rose. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Ken is just As a child? shaking her head. Yeah. Yeah. No, get yeah. rid of it. As a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a child, he would talk to this woman named Rose and he was having a conversation one day and his dad walked in the room and said, hey, Johnny you know, who are you talking to? And Peaches was like, I'm talking to Rose. And apparently his dad just went white. And John Sr. is a big, excuse me, he has since passed, but big, burly, Mm -hmm. intense Italian man. (laughs) (laughs) And he apparently just like white as a ghost literally and he was like okay bye (laughs) (laughs) me (laughs) that was the beginning and end of that he was like okay you do your thing it's fine it's cool anyway that's it's wild i really want to meet peaches there are some great stories he can't wait to meet you (laughs) wow (laughs) you're basically you and me and peaches all the same person Mm -hmm. just slight variations (laughs) It's true. I can't help it. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so uh, her first experience is seeing auras around people. So while she was attending the Academy of Our Lady of Mercy, which is a Roman Catholic all-girls high school, 
she had a favorite teacher who was, uh, she's a nun, obviously, who taught French. And so she told her at one point, your lights are brighter than Mother Superior's. And apparently that fucking freaked everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lorraine basically was told that she needed to go to the chapel and like pray about it. Like go exercise the demons child. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be seeing lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with you. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so growing up naturally, I mean, naturally growing up with her psychic and clairvoyant abilities must have been very difficult. I don't know if she had any, like, hobbies or anything, but she loved movies. So every week, Lorraine and her mother would go to the fancy movie theater in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is just the next town over. And that is just so happens to be where Ed Warren worked. Oh. So <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the summer of 1943. Lorraine is going to see like a late night double feature with her friends. Mm-hmm. And they're, so they're going to see The Return of the Vampire, starring Bella Lugosi. And then the second showing is Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, which also mm-hmm. has Bella Lugosi, but also Lon Chaney Jr. Mm-hmm. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Monster movie. Nerd. I went to school for it. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about this. <laughs> Okay, so I imagine she gets her popcorn, she gets settled in for the movie, you know. Ed catches a glimpse of this, like, gorgeous, dark-haired young woman. And so he he walks up to her and, you know, gives her this, like, charming smile. And is like, don't worry, the monsters won't get you. I'll protect you. <laughs> and, she, and I imagine she just goes, I'm a grown-ass woman. I can take care of myself. Thanks. <laughs> So basically, love at first sight is what yeah, I'm trying right, to say. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true meet cute, right? So then the couple began dating. <laughs> even sure. after this. <laughs> even after my imagined, like, shut his shit down mm-hmm. moment. And then Ed turned 18. So then he went off to fight in World War II. Oh. But when he came back on leave in 1945, they got married. Hmm. So, <sighs> was it on leave in 1945 or was the war just over? No, he was, he was on leave. He had okay. to, he went back to do some things. Obviously mm-hmm. the war ended, like you said, in 1945, but it was somewhere, uh, yeah, okay. somewhere in there, but he was gone for like two more years after that. Okay. Finishing things, I guess. I don't know. So Lorraine, during her lifetime, claimed to have been a trance medium, a psychic, and a clairvoyant, as well as being able to see auras. And Ed was a self-taught demonologist. And he taught, you know, he kind of did his own studies on demonology and Catholic rites and exorcisms and all those kinds of things after growing up in a haunted house. Ooh. So, in 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Hmm. So, during their 60-year marriage, the couple authored d- dozens of books 
about, you know, their paranormal experiences and investigations. And they claimed to have investigated over 10,000 cases of potential hauntings during their career. So, I took note of a few of their most notable cases because they're so spooky and scary (laughs) and I love them. (laughs) Okay, so, first one Mm -hmm. on the docket is... Annabelle. Of course. Of course it is. Of (laughs) course. So in 1968, two roommates claimed that their raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. After allowing the spirit of Annabelle to inhabit the doll, it began exhibiting malicious and frightening behavior. So they call up the Warrens Mm -hmm. and they come in. And are having this conversation, which is actually the mm-hmm. the intro to the conjuring. To the conjuring. So they're having this conversation, talking about, oh, you said it was okay for the spirit to come into the doll. Well, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad news, bears. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the Warrens took the doll, told the roommates that it was being manipulated by an inhuman presence. And it is currently on display at the family's occult museum. Yep. Which is the coolest shit. And I would love to go so bad. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I really. That's like bucket list. I want to go there. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Look, a lot of people think that these two are quacks. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Which. I get, mm-hmm. and I can understand skepticism, etc. Mm-hmm. But like I said in the last episode, I think there are a lot of things out in in the universe and in people's minds, etc., that we don't understand or know about, mm-hmm. and because we can't like wrap our brains around it and it's not tangible, mm-hmm. people think that it's it's all bunk. Yeah, some of it is, but I think somewhere in there, there's got to be a grain of truth. Yeah. To something other. Yeah. That's... I'm stepping off my soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the same page. Thank you. And if anybody has an issue who's listening, just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We We don't know her. (laughs) We can't hear you. This isn't a telephone. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So the next one is the case of the Perone family. So... The Perone family is what the film, the 2013 film, The Conjuring, is based on. Mm -hmm. Real quick, Lorraine and actual members of the Perone family were, like, consultants during the pre-production of this film, Mm -hmm. which makes it that much fucking creepier. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That there are multiple people, not just Lorraine, saying... So here's some of the fucking crazy shit that happened. Yeah. Okay. So in 1971, the Warrens went to Harrisville, Rhode Island, which is where the Perone family house was. And it was apparently haunted by a witch who had lived there in the early 19th century. According to the Warrens, the witch, Bathsheba Sherman, cursed the land So that whoever lived there would die a terrible death. That wasn't very nice. It wasn't very nice. (laughs) But the story is they buy this house 
and they have this big family. There's like five girls and, oh, I can't remember the couple's name. Anyway, so this family moves in and then chaos ensues. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like I said, The Conjuring, great movie. Mm-hmm. I saw it in this theater several times with peaches. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the only films that has made me, like, audibly be scared out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not just, like, you know, yeah. but actually, like, ah! <laughs> the <laughs> Similar to how Danny reacted to seeing a boiler in the Heights. Mm-hmm. When they had started in the beginning of the movie playing uh-huh. the clapping game, <gasps> yes, I was like, "Oh, this ain't gonna end." Well. No, this, this is gonna come back. <laughs> this is gonna be super scary, and I'm not gonna like it. There's gonna be clapping, and it's gonna be ghost hands. So good. Look, <laughs> we I, I've played that game before in a church, <laughs> which is weird. It's I know it's very strange, but we went to a lock-in because it was like Bible summer camp, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're in this big old Lutheran church and there were probably, I don't know, 12 of us Mm -hmm. and we all played hide and clap. Mm -mm. And to see that in the film, I was like, oh God, oh God, I'm having flashbacks of like hiding in the sanctuary and it's all dark with the little bit of afternoon light coming through the window. Jesus' eyes right on you. Yeah. (laughs) You're hiding, but he doesn't need a seek. He knows where you are. That's right. Oh, so scary. Okay. (laughs) That's the Perone family. The next one. Amityville. Yep. Yep. Peaches was just there the other day. I saw that on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) Yes, he was. And he was very, very excited about it. He was in... They were in... I'm just telling Peaches' life story. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, him and his, like, his mom and brother and then their, like, aunts and uncles and stuff went to the Hamptons to spread his dad's ashes. Mm. So it was beautiful and they had a really lovely, like, weekend and stuff. But then on the way home, like, I talked to him before he left. He was like, look, we're leaving tomorrow and I'm going to make my mom drive through Amity. <laughs> I have to see it. <laughs> Apparently there's people living there, which... I don't understand. I can't even wrap my brain around that. That's too, nope. (laughs) Too scary for me. Thank you. Okay. So this is probably what they are best known for was, is so best known for their involvement in the 1976 Amityville horror case. It's not just a book. It's not just a movie. It's not just a remake of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The like, actual terrible terrible murder mm-hmm. of six members of the DeFeo family actually happened. Yeah. That is not fictional at all. Yeah. So, after this terrible thing happened, only 2 years after this man killed his entire family, mm-hmm. George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the house. Uh, The family claimed that their house was haunted by a violent, demonic presence so intense that it drove them out of the house only after 28 days. So, people were being attacked. There was, like, shit breaking. There's shit flying all over the place. Very scary. Mm -hmm. Very good movie, also. So, this 
haunting, the Warrens went in, I think, like, three weeks after they left. Mm -hmm. And they were like, look, Lorraine, in, in a couple of interviews that she did, specifically talking about, you know, the question, like, is there a single place or case that you would never want to reinvestigate or mm-hmm. look at it again. And every time she was like, Amityville, I won't think about it. I would never go in that house again. Mm-hmm. It's messed her up. Is that the one? It might be another house with the picture. There's a picture. So they were in the middle of an investigation. <gasps> that is the one. And on the staircase, they were taking pictures. And there's a, like a clear picture of a little boy's that, head. That's and they the were one. like... They were like, there's no, there's no children in this investigation. What is that doing there? That's exactly, I was just going to bring that up. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, that is the one. That is where the the picture of the ghost boy was taken. I looked up that picture and I still think about it. It makes me, it makes my stomach clench. It makes me feel a little barfy (laughs) and super scared. It's so, look, rabbit hole, if you want to, Mm -hmm. Google ghost pictures, Mm. it'll ruin you. It's, oh, it's so good. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the one. They went in, like I said, they went in three weeks after the Lutz family left. And Lorraine Warren was like, never, never. There's too much. There's too much there. Like, mm-hmm. I, cu- I wouldn't be able to handle it ever again. And now people live there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's cool. I couldn't. Yeah. So this haunting was the basis, like you said, for the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, and which was developed into mm-hmm. the movie in 79 and then the remake in 2005 with mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the remake. I've only seen the oh, original. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit, it's good. <laughs> it's very scary. Okay. And this is the last one I'm going to talk about. Okay. This is the Enfield Poltergeist, which is what The Conjuring 2 mm-hmm. is based on. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Also very good. Look, I would like to make a PSA. James Wan is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> he is a very talented writer and producer mm-hmm. and director. He's the one who made The Conjuring, the Conjuring 2, Annabelle, all of these, yeah. all of these movies, and they're just really, really solid movies. Yeah. They're very scary. Yeah. Okay. Look, here we go. Enfield <laughs> Poltergeist. In 1977, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in the North London suburb of Enfield was haunted by poltergeist activity. Okay, I have, and that's why we drink has covered. Oh, this, okay. This one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I listened to Last Podcast on the Left, mm-hmm. which I don't like everything they do. Mm-hmm. The hum- their, their comedy is not particularly my style, mm-hmm. but I did listen to their like three-part series on the Enfield Poltergeist, mm-hmm. and it is- Wild. The, it's- fucking crazy yeah <laughs> like they have a bunch of like audio clips that they played and i was like i believe it i'm sold there's demons get out get yeah. out girl 
Yeah, it's super creepy. So while a number of independent observers, you know, basically were like, oh, this is a hoax. They're, they're a bunch of kids in a, in a single mother, you know, yeah. living with a single mother. They're just, it's a cry for attention, blah, blah, blah. However, the Warrens were convinced that it was a case of demonic possession, which is what the story is, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, like I said, this was this is the inspiration for The Conjuring 2, although the Warrens were less involved, quote, to a far lesser degree than portrayed in the movie. And apparently they showed up to the scene uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> And we're at first told to, like, go away. Mm-hmm. They're like, we don't fucking know who. Who are you people? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, in fact, did get to come in and do investigating mm-hmm. later. Just not when they showed up on their fucking doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Warrens drew considerable publicity in 1981 for their involvement in a murder case in Connecticut. So, there's this man named Arnie Johnson, and he stabbed someone to death, mm-hmm. and then claimed that he had been possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay? The devil made him do it. Classic move. Classic move. But the Warrens were involved, because two weeks prior to this stabbing, mm-hmm. the Warrens and I think two priests had come in to the Johnson household to perform an exorcism because Mm of all of the erratic behavior and crazy shit that was going on Mm -hmm. before this. So needless to say, Mr. Johnson was convicted (laughs) of manslaughter because the judge was like, you can't claim that the devil told you to do this. But why was it manslaughter then? I think he might have pled to a, a lesser, okay. Uh, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly it was murder, but mm-hmm. somewhere in there, he got manslaughter. Okay. So, Lorraine often said that when investigating a house, she preferred to be allowed to, like, roam freely and would concentrate specifically on bedrooms. Um, this is a quote. She said, that's the easiest way to sit on the edge of a bed. You know, when you go to bed at night, how all of these things go through your mind? <laughs> what? Just breathing. Just heavily breathing into the microphone. You creep. Let me try this again without Kiana's weird breathing. <laughs> okay. That's the easiest way to sit on the edge of a bed. You know, when you go to bed at night, how all of these things go through your mind? That's all recorded. You think these things out, what you have experienced. Then you go to bed and it is played out for you again. It's the moment between waking and sleep. Which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very much like last episode when you mentioned how maybe ghosts imprint. Imp- like Our brain imprints as opposed to action. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some science there. Perhaps. Perhaps. Okay. In The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, and the Annabelle films, Lorraine Warren is portrayed by Vera Farmiga, Mm -hmm. uh, who is stunning and incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, Ed is played by Patrick Wilson. Also, he's cool. He's cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, many skeptics have criticized the Warrens for being frauds and scammers. However, there are plenty of others who believe them like and their research. Uh, the Warrens Occult Museum is located uh, just outside of their family home in Monroe, Connecticut, which is where we will be mm-hmm. taking a road trip to, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they occasionally do like tours and special events. Mm-hmm. So part of most of my research, actually, I got from... So I did get some of my information from Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Sage. But I also went to their website, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) warrens.net. .net. (laughs) .net. The New York Times obituary for Lorraine Warren, but also her obituary in, like, their local Mm -hmm. paper from... Somewhere in Connecticut. I can't remember. But anyway, I so when I went to the warrens.net and I was looking up in information, two things. Ed Warren has a whole lot to say about a whole lot of things. It's just all Ed. And I was like, for fuck's sake, can we get a little bit of Lorraine in here, please? <laughs> Thank you. But secondly, they're doing a dinner and a tour on Halloween of the museum, and they will have Annabelle on display, which is mm-hmm. fucking. Do you mean super out of her creepy. case? Or I don't know. I don't no. know, girl. <laughs> but it seems very spooky and fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, there's look. There's some there's some bad juju. Yeah, in that museum. In that whole don't touch idea. shit. Don't if you go. No. Don't touch anything. Oh, that was another thing I was gonna mention. So. I forgot to write it in my notes. When Annabelle mm-hmm. was first brought to the museum and they would do tours and stuff, there was apparently a man who came in essentially like mocking yeah. the Annabelle doll. And I was like, oh, you're so scary, blah, blah, blah. And then he died in a motorcycle, motorcycle accident on the way home from leaving the museum. And that, my friends, is not coincidence. (laughs) That's the devil. (laughs) Maybe don't make fun of scary possessed dolls. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And even if you don't believe it, why risk it? Exactly. What's the point? Oh, you're so cool. You don't believe in ghosts. You being a big, a big, strong man (laughs) with your fucking like machismo to a doll. (laughs) <laughs> what are you trying to prove? I'm not impressed. Nobody is. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> so Ed Warren died in 2006. And after that, Lorraine retired from doing like, you know, going out and doing investigations. Mm-hmm. But she continued on as like a consultant and stuff. On April 18th, 2019. So six months ago, mm-hmm. Lorraine Passed away peacefully in her sleep at the ripe old age of 92. Oh. And that, my friends, is the story of Lorraine Warren. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Again, rabbit hole just... I probably (laughs) read 15 different obituaries that basically said the same thing, but I was like, yeah, this is so good. (laughs) (laughs) So. Okay. Okay. So, I'm done. It's your mm-hmm. turn now, but I have been warned. Yep. That it's... we are 
we're zooming. We might be zooming on some parts, but okay. this is a long one because rabbit hole. Big ol' We're going gaping. straight to Wonderland <laughs> rabbit hole. Don't say that. <laughs> I don't like that. I, just, I don't like the word gaping at all. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to talk today about Maura Murray, which you've probably heard of. Because it's a very, very popular true crime case. Oh. It's the disappearance of Maura Murray. Okay. And I got most most of my information from the podcast Crime Junkie. There's a two-part episode on her. And then I also listened to True Crime Obsessed. I listened to a few episodes of Missing Maura Murray, which is another podcast. And then I read a People magazine article about mm-hmm. her okay and no wikipedia no wikipedia sage <laughs> fuck you <laughs> so in the last two episodes we've mentioned sage so many times <laughs> not nice <laughs> not in a nice <laughs> no, way either. we're really we're really shitting on him <laughs> um so i'm going to begin okay on February 9th, 2004, at 7.27 p.m., the New Hampshire police were notified of a car accident on Wild Amonusic Road in Woodsville, New Hampshire. At 7.46, the first officer arrived. In the report that was written about this incident, it explained that, quote, evidence at the scene indicated the vehicle had been eastbound and had gone off the roadway, struck a snowbank, spun around, and come to a rest facing the wrong way in the eastbound lane. Okay. The first witness that reported the accident was Faith Westman. She was able to see the accident from her house. She called at 727, so she was the first call that reported it, and basically just said, like, there's been an accident. Mm -hmm. It's nighttime. It's snowy out. Come on over. Uh The police have released the transcripts of what she said to the public. However, there are portions of it that are redacted. For unknown reasons. Oh, shit. But what we know of the call is that she says, there was an accident. I don't know if anyone's hurt. I'm in my house. And then just nothing. Mm -hmm. Redacted. The second pertinent person to witness the accident is a Mr. Butch Atwood, who drove past the accident on his school bus. (laughs) Holy shit. Hold the phone. (laughs) Time out. I listened to a whole book about this. Yes. There's oh a my lot. Gosh. There's a okay. lot. <laughs> when you said the name, I was like, it is. Why? Like, I couldn't. It took this mm-hmm. and the two people yep. both calling mm-hmm. that I was like, the connections have been made. <laughs> oh, my God. This is bananas. Okay. What a good story. Thank yeah. you. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready now. <laughs> so he also lives within eyesight of the accident. And he was on his way home in his bus when he saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his bus, he pulls over and asks the driver, who is a young lady, if she needs any help or if she needs, if he needs to call for help for her. But she doesn't take up his offer and claims that she's just called AAA and help is on the way. Like, don't worry about it. Only there is one problem. On Wild Amanusic Road, there is no cell service. And Butch knows this because he lives there. So he knows she's lying, but doesn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, whatever. Like, she's obviously, like shaken up and yeah just let her let her do her thing so instead he goes home and calls the police to report the accident at 7 40 and this is 
one minute after he sees her on the road. Mm -hmm. So he sees her, goes home, one minute has passed. The black 1996 Saturn's windshield had been cracked, the airbags had been deployed, and damage was done to the driver's side, front end, front passenger side, rear driver's side, and rear passenger side of the vehicle. That's where all the damage was. Mm -hmm. So just all around. Yeah, she just banged, she's pinballed. Yeah. In a big circle. The car had been locked, but through the window, the, f- the first officer on the scene could see a box of wine in the back seat, and around a car there appeared to be some, like, either, some say pink and some say red liquid dumped into the snow, and also splatter marks are visible in the car. And the driver is nowhere in sight. At this point, more first responders have come onto the scene, and they now have gotten into the car. Because they needed to to tow it. Mm-hmm. Once the doors are opened, they find a Coke bottle that's been opened and smells like alcohol. Mm-hmm. After doing a few rounds around the car to look for any evidence as to where the driver has gone, an EMT notices a rag that has been shoved into the car's, uh, the car's tailpipe. And now the question is, who put it there and why? Mm-hmm. Now, despite the suspicious find, the accident is treated as, as such, as an accident, mm-hmm. with no foul play. And... What first responders think has happened at this point is not wanting to be caught drinking and driving. Exactly. This young girl left her car mm-hmm. and abandoned the vehicle on the side of the road, which is not uncommon in that area. However, there are no tracks in the snow showing that a person left the car or, like, walked to the woods or anything. Uh-huh. Additionally, Butch claims that when he spoke with the driver that there was no sign of her being intoxicated. And she was just a little shaken up from the accident. So, first responders call it a night. No search. No more searching is done. Uh-huh. And later, the vehicle driver is confirmed to be Maura Murray. Now, here's the sad part and what makes the story so interesting. Uh-huh. The last time Butch saw her was at about 739, which I said earlier. Two people have eyes on her from their houses mm-hmm. at pretty much all times. And the first police officer to arrive was at 7.46. In that seven minutes, between Butch being at the car and the first police officer arriving, Maura Murray disappeared and has not been seen since. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you about Maura. She was a 21-year-old who went to West Point and was also a UMass student at the time of her disappearance. She'd been described as an all-American girl that seemed to be the perfect student, daughter, and girlfriend. You know. Which means she's gonna die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we all do, but this, that, yeah, that is the... That's the... When when you're described as such, kiss of death. (laughs) K.O.D. Boom. (laughs) So she was a star track and cross-country athlete and competed at high levels of competition in college. Not only that, she was a star student, and she worked two part-time jobs to support herself throughout her time at school. She was in a relationship to a man named Bill, who was in the milita- who was a military man stationed in, in Oklahoma, and they were said to be engaged to be engaged. Mm-hmm. So, she was young, beautiful, smart, but like every true crime show will tell you, <laughs> even the people who seem perfect have their secrets. Mm-hmm. And in the weeks and days up to her disappearance, one can see this. So let's begin with these stories. Let's, please. <clears throat> this is just all over the place. <laughs> it is. This is... Bear with me timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. So Mora had previously been attending West Point, which is a pretty high... It's a military academy. Yeah. They don't fuck around over they there. They don't fuck around. 
Uh, So she'd been attending there before transferring to UMass to study nursing. However, her transfer was a lot less voluntary than what we were led to believe. I guess I should say this also. It's been 15 years since Mm -hmm. her disappearance. And like that first few years, there was a lot of lies or unclear, like, Mm-hmm. Slowly, truths lot of, lot have of, come out. A lot of speculation about mm-hmm. this and that and the other thing, and it has it has kind of unraveled. This yes. big ball of crazy mm-hmm. has has kind of unraveled to be like, oh, here's the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so, yeah, weird. Yeah. So her transfer was a lot less voluntary than her just being like, I'm going to study nursing now. So while studying at West Point, her and a friend were at Fort Knox. You know, the literal fortress, Fort Knox. (laughs) Where all them gold bars are. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She was caught stealing there because it's a literal fortress and you're going to get caught stealing. Um, But it was little things like lipstick or whatever. But this obviously didn't go down well with West Point. And so she transferred out so that she wouldn't be expelled because being expelled would look really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Now, this little incident is like, Whatever, right? Yeah. It's like, ooh, she stole some dinky little things. That doesn't mean she's, like, a conniving criminal full of secrets and needing to run away from her whole life. hmm Because it's not. Like, we all know people or have been people that are like... Absolutely. You know, I'm going to take this this little thing because... Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. A little. It's just a dumb thing that people do. Mm-hmm. It's not smart, nor is it right, but it's not, like, murder or credit card theft. So we're not going to hold that against her. What we will hold against her, though, is the credit card theft. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but but there is, but there def- there's not murder that we know, but there's definitely credit card yeah. theft in there. <laughs> so while at UMass, after she was already ran out of West Point for petty theft, she was caught using a stolen credit card to order pizza several times to her dorm. Uh, she was caught in a police sting operation, but got off relatively easy because she was... Pretty white middle class, (laughs) you know. You know. She got off easy with the judge saying that if she just behaved for the next few months, they would take it immediately, like, all of it off her record. Mm -hmm. Now, like, that seems fine. Whatever. After this, and a few days before her disappearance, there was an incident at work that wouldn't, it wouldn't have halted her, her Uh good record or whatever. But Mora was found to be in a catatonic state, staring off into the distance and, like, just not doing her job. And then her boss approached her. And when they did this, she had a full breakdown at work Mm -hmm. and was just sobbing. And she kept saying through tears something about her sister, but it was unclear. And then her boss asked if she needed to speak with the school counselor or if she had someone to talk to. And Mora said that she had her roommate, and so her boss sent her home. For a while, it was believed that she was lying about something happening to her sister because her sister denied that anything was wrong with her. She was like, I had a phone call. It confirmed there was a phone call between the two. Mm-hmm. So she was like, nothing, nothing, ha- like nothing big happened. Mm-hmm. But years after this, it was revealed that her sister, who was fresh out of rehab, had begun drinking again. Oh. And it seems like this would be a perfectly, like, reasonable reason for yeah. Mora to be upset. Yeah, absolutely. However, what some people do see as strange is that she lied about one thing and she she just didn't have a roommate. 
So she couldn't possibly be heading home to be consoled by one like she told her boss she was going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I have clearly have thoughts on this case. <laughs> so I'm going to keep teasing, exactly. teasing info <laughs> and then being like, but hold on. Good. Perfect. Not a, not a huge deal. <laughs> because I don't. A lot of it feels like victim blamey and like more wasn't as innocent that's, as she seems. That's but like, exactly yep. She was a twenty one year old girl going through a lot and making not very smart decisions, but it doesn't mean that she was running away from her life like a lot of people think. Exactly. So I don't think it was a huge deal that she lied about having a roommate. Because Mora, in several instances, if you read about this case, it clearly seems that she prefers to be alone in times of stress. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in high school, when she was feeling real fucking stressed about life, because it's high school, she left school, got on a train, and just went shipping up to Boston for the day. (laughs) (laughs) No one knew where she was, but she came back a day later and was absolutely fine. She just wanted a day to be by herself. Mm -hmm. So, again, I don't think it's a huge deal that she lied to her boss. She probably... it speculating her boss could have been like you're really upset let's get you to a counselor yeah so she saw an out as hey exactly it's it's just her way of being like no i'm fine i'm gonna Mm -hmm. go like she knows how to Mm self-care for what she needs Mm -hmm. but she's like i need to get this person off my back so they're not gonna make me go do something i don't want to do and i'm not gonna say it's a healthy coping mechanism because it seems that she struggled with some she had like an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and so she but she handled things. She dealt things. with it the best way she knew how. Mm-hmm. Exactly. At the time. Yes. Even though it wasn't perfect. Yeah. But, like, I, I lie to your boss. Like, it's, <laughs> who doesn't lie to their boss? Like, <laughs> I'm sick. Exactly. You're not sick. You just didn't want to go into work. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways. Now, in the timeline of events, we're going to skip to a few days before her disappearance. Because this happened, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, a week or something before. So her and her dad were car shopping together because she had a garbage car that needed to be replaced. They didn't buy one while they were looking, but they had the intentions of purchasing a car next weekend. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think it's making future plans is not something that somebody who's running away. Yes. I don't think it's what they do. Yep, exactly. But while her dad was in town, she borrowed his car because he didn't like her driving the garbage mobile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so he let her borrow it and she went to a party with one of her friends. Unfortunately, later that night, she ran into a guardrail on her way back home. Or not home, but she was going to drop off the car to her dad. Yes. And did $10,000 worth of damage. <sighs> right. Rough. Yeah. So her dad left town that weekend, obviously upset that his car was wrecked. But he had reassured her that it was going to be okay and that they would figure it out. You know, accidents happen. Mm -hmm. A few hours after he left town, he called Mora to discuss insurance matters that needed to be handled and asked Mora to pick up some accident forms from the DMV. And this would be the last time that he spoke to her. Mm. After their phone call together, there is evidence on Mora's computer of her looking up rental properties in New Hampshire until four in the morning. Oh. But... There is absolutely no evidence of her actually booking any of these places. Mm -hmm. On Monday, February 9th, she continues her search the next morning. And this time she prints out directions to the Burlington, Vermont area. But I don't think there was any, like, specific destination. It wasn't, like... Just going. Yeah. Okay. So this area was not unfamiliar to her. 
Her family had spent a lot of time vacationing in that area, and some even say that it was, like, her favorite place to visit. Her father believes that she may have been looking to go here because she just wanted an escape from her, her troubles. Her troubles included, but are not limited to, one, she was just forced to switch schools. Yeah. Because she stole. <laughs> two, she was having relationships, troubles with her engaged to be engaged because they were both cheating on each other, it seems. Mm, mm-hmm. Three, she was on probation because of that credit card theft. The, yep. Four, her sister just admitted to her that she was drinking again. Five, she just crashed her dad's car. Six, she had a shitty car that needed to be replaced, mm-hmm. but now she just did damage to her dad's car, so how could they possibly afford it? Yeah, exactly. She had two jobs, and school just started. <laughs> She's really burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. And it's like, come on. She was going through a lot. Yeah. And I, I really do believe her dad, dad's theory that she was just leaving for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said earlier, she likes to be alone when she's yeah, stressed. Yeah, we all need a little escape sometimes. Exactly. So, uh, later that day, she missed a call from her boyfriend. And so she just emailed him. She said she loved him, but didn't feel like speaking to anyone at the moment. Which also fits into this theory that she wanted to leave for a little. Mm-hmm. And then she emailed her professors saying that there's been a death in her family and that she was going to be gone for a week. Which was a lie. Nobody in her family had died. Okay. And again, people are like... Why would she do that? It's because she didn't want to get in. Come on. I've known several people mm-hmm. in college to be like, yeah, my my grandma's dead. Uh-huh. And they didn't lie because their grandparents were dead, but like years ago. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like the little. It's yeah. not a human. We're all fucking human. Yeah. We all lie. Mm-hmm. We all sin. <laughs> Anyways. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> So she sends this email and then she goes and clears out her bank account, which sounds like, oh my God, she's clearing out her bank account. (laughs) She had $280 in there to be clear. (laughs) She's not clearing a lot out of there. Yeah. She's just going, I'm going to need some cash. Fucking whatever. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's not like she, it wasn't a massive amount of wealth and you need a lot of money to like fall off the place of the earth exactly because you need you really do fake birth certificate fake social security card fake like there's things you have to buy cash up front for any place you're gonna fucking live Mm -hmm. like you can't just go off the grid with nothing exactly it's not the apocalypse yet exactly (laughs) (laughs) um and so with her freshly withdrawn cast she doesn't even she doesn't even keep this at 280 Mm -hmm. because she goes to a liquor store and buys a bottle of Kahlua a bottle of Bailey's, a bottle of vodka, a few bottle of vodka wine coolers, and a box of wine. So she's going to drink a bunch of wine and white Russians? Yes. <laughs> exactly. I like her style. <laughs> In her car, along with all of this liquor, she also had with her clothes, toiletries, and her school books. Okay. Which, again, who brings school books to disappear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what my next sentence is. <laughs> I didn't read it. I just said it, but also. <laughs> okay. And some claim, which I people I think are stupid, <laughs> because that she bought so much liquor mm-hmm. that she was going to be meeting another person. But again, if she's disappearing for a week, this is not, it's not that much. Let's be real. Yeah. But she's a college girl who's stressed. Binge drinking is a thing. Mm-hmm. So 
even if you're like, no, if she has one cocktail a day, you know, this sure. that's way too much. She's not having one cocktail a day. She's having ten. Yeah. Those bottles are going to last her one evening. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to this. Also, let's be real. Bailey's and Kahlua, not the beverage of somebody going out in a blaze of glory. No. <laughs> no. She's going to kick back. She's going to fucking chill out and have some white Russians. She's going to read her school books. She's going to maybe watch the Big Lebowski. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not in like all of those drinks together make a cocktail (laughs) exactly like she's this is not just bottles upon bottles of fucking bathtub gin yeah like she's like no i'm gonna set myself real pretty (laughs) exactly i'm gonna i'm gonna be prepared also liquor doesn't like go bad she didn't need to drink all of it (laughs) (laughs) exactly we have so much booze in this house that i'm like we look like alcoholics but it's been here for months yeah like i just don't believe that theory at all yeah it's not milk we get it (laughs) so at 4 37 that day she checks her voicemail and this is the last call phone call that she makes before she goes missing so back at the car no sign of foul play police don't think anything is wrong but her family knows that something has to be wrong because she's been gone for a few days at this point okay there were months with no movement in the case and then her family namely her dad fred uh decided that they would be taking matters into their own hands because Mm. they the police weren't researching Mm -hmm. because the the police think that mora ran away left yeah yeah to just run away Mm -hmm. so this rift between the police and the family have has now opened and now there are a ton of theories about what happened to her and i'm gonna go over them pretty quickly okay so let's get into the first one the tandem driver theory Mm. some people don't think that mora left town that day on her own Mm -hmm. the people the, the alcohol thing you know and they think that they had a, she had another person with her that was going to help her disappear. The amount of alcohol people deemed suspicious. And people think that he wasn't this person. Not a he. Well, some people think it's a he. Mm-hmm. But this person was not in the car with her, but was following either behind her or mm-hmm. Mora was following them wherever it was that they were going. Uh-huh. 11 days after her disappearance, bloodhounds came on the scene mm-hmm. and tracked her scent. And they were started at the accident and went about 100 feet up the road before her scent disappeared. This suggests that she got into a car that took her away. And this would explain why there would be no foul play at the accident site. Because if, if it was a person she knew, she would just be getting in the car. Mm-hmm. However, I don't believe this theory because the alcohol thing I already said, it's whatever. Yeah. And also, in all of the CCTV footage found at, like, the ATM and the liquor store, she was alone. Mm-hmm. And there was... We have all of this documentation of who she was calling and what she was looking up on her computer. And there was no communication with another person. Yeah. There's no plot. Yeah. Like, this is some... If you want to disappear, you got a plan. hmm And that's not what was happening. Also, no witness... No witnesses report seeing another car at the time. Mm-hmm. Second theory... The Loon Mountain Boys. So, this theory is that three guys who work on Loon Mountain, which is near the crash site, drove past the car crash that same day that she crashed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and probably picked her up. The next day, 
these guys were supposed to go into work, but they never showed up. And that people were like, well, that's suspicious. Now, some people refute this theory and think that she wouldn't have gotten willingly into a car with these guys because she refused help from Butch when he drove by. Yeah. But what's important to know is that these three guys were closer to her age Mm -hmm. in a car. And Butch was an older rugged mountain man in a school bus in a, in a bus yeah exactly so like <laughs> i like if i'm gonna take help from anybody it's gonna be from these bro dudes yeah who are you know driving around in a car that i can maybe they have a cell phone yeah because they're hip young people like i am <laughs> and not the old man in a bus mm-hmm. like come on mm-hmm. so perhaps mara was desperate for help after the crash but was weary of butch for obvious oh my his name is butch come on exactly <laughs> And so she trusted the other guys more. Her getting into their car would explain why her scent ended 100 feet from the car crash. But this theory has never been investigated because police don't think there was foul play. Mm -hmm. And so it could be true. It could also not be true. Mm -hmm. That one, big question mark. The rag and the tailpipe. I mentioned that earlier. Yep. Now we're talking about it again. This one, I don't believe at all. So, a rag was found in her tailpipe, and people think that when she stopped to get gas, someone put the rag in there and followed her until she would stall out. Now, it is likely that this rag is just a red herring, because we've since learned that her dad told her to put a rag in the tailpipe to stop it from smoking so badly, because remember, this was the garbage mobile. It's the garbage, it a bad, yeah. shitty car. Also, bad advice. Don't very put, <laughs> bad advice. Don't put terrible advice. But it was it was to stop it from smoking. Mm-hmm. So he said, if you need to go somewhere and it's smoking, short distance, put this rag in the tailpipe, you'll be cool. Mm-hmm. But it's now believed also that she put it in after the accident because it might have been smoking and she wanted it to stop. So okay. she put it in before she disappeared because after they had ran some tests on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. They found that if she put it in while, like, if it was put in at the gas station and mm-hmm. she drove away, it would shoot right out. Like, it wouldn't stay in the tailpipe at all. Oh, okay. Which is why I don't think, is it, it's a thing that people are, are fixated on. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, a thing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you put a potato in it. If you want to plug it up. <laughs> I've seen that in a movie. <laughs> they put sure a potato it a in movie. it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this next theory is the one that I believe the most, mm-hmm. and this is the A-frame house theory. Do you have you know? Yes, I know. <laughs> so there is an A-frame house about a mile away from the car crash site, and some people think that she was maybe picked up and then killed there. A few years after she went missing, the brother of the man who lived in the house brought a knife to Fred Murray, and claimed that he found it bloody in his brother's car. And believes that he had killed Mora. Fred sent the knife to police, but they hadn't tested it and nothing has been heard of it since. Fred, upset, <laughs> took a PI to the house and the owners let him in and they brought cadaver dogs. Well, these cadaver dogs get up to the bedroom closet and start going wild. Yeah. Like they detect that there's a dead body or like there was a there dead was, body there. Yeah. So the PI takes a sample of the carpet and sends it to police to be tested. But again, they don't do anything with it. Because mm-hmm. because they cha- they claim the chain of custody wasn't followed. So yep. if, if they would have tested it and used it in court, it could have been thrown out. Mm-hmm. But 
they didn't even go to the house to collect their own samples to then test it. And they just let the lead run cold. Nowadays, you can't even try to salvage a sample piece of the carpet because renovations were done and all the carpet was ripped out. So, yep. In 2016, Fred, still frustrated, sent the PI back to the house and he went and took wood chips from the closet because the carpet's gone. Mm-hmm. Gotta test other things. And they tested it themselves because they didn't think the police were going to do anything and found two blood samples. One was male and one was female. Many believe that this is Mora's blood, but again, the police have not followed up on it, and so we still don't know. Yep. But I think if Mora wasn't killed there, somebody, somebody, was, somebody was, was killed there, and if there's blood in the closet, the police should probably go For try real. and look. <laughs> Doesn't matter who it was at this point. Like, the cadaver dogs are like, hey, dead body was here. Exactly. But um, because the rift between... Fred and the police. Yeah. Every time Fred pushes more for, like, something happened to my daughter, the police push more of, like, you're undermining our authority. She just ran away. hmm How convenient. How convenient that all, <laughs> all of these very vulnerable young women, mm-hmm. specifically young women, mm-hmm. are just, run- they're all just runaways. Yeah. They're not, they're murder victims. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next theory. That's it on that. Okay. Next theory. She's lost in the woods slash died in the woods. Some people think that she went off into the woods to run away from the car because she didn't want to be caught drinking, driving, and then she died. But her body would have def been found now, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's opinions, because they had, like several cadaver dogs mm-hmm. running amok in the forest and they had plenty of searches in the woods <laughs> like there was a yeah. dead body they did fucking sweeps and shit also people live there right where like i and she was yeah. up on a like a mountain or a big hill i get that yeah but she was close enough to two people's homes mm-hmm. to to see her accident in the first place yeah there are people around she if if that was the case she'd be found by now exactly and it also doesn't explain how her scent ends a hundred feet away from the car mm-hmm. and there's no fucking footprints into the snow yeah come on come on <laughs> and the last theory that i'm going to talk about is that she's in canada <laughs> <laughs> real cash like so like pe- police think And some other people think that she wanted to run away from her life for good and that she successfully did it. People claim to have seen her Mm, in Canada, but when they describe her, it's what she looked like at the time of the the disappearance Mm -hmm. and not age progressed at all. So keep in mind that this has been 15 years since Mm -hmm. she went missing. So there would have been some aging in her features. Mm -hmm. She was 21 and now she's 36. Mm -hmm. Like you don't look the same. But also, if you're on the run mm-hmm. and trying to escape everything without a fucking trace, yeah, you're not going to. If there's fucking APBs out looking for you, mm-hmm. you're not gonna maintain the exact same look you were fucking going with. Mm-hmm. At the very least, when you're you gonna left. dye your hair, put some glasses on, and maybe contour. Exactly. If she was into it. <laughs> 
She was, she's actually a Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we found her! <laughs> yes! Um, yeah, so I don't really believe that she ran no. away without a trace. Because it's, I cannot stress this, it's really, really hard to do. Especially in the technology age. Mm-hmm. A big thing about her case is that she went missing five days after Facebook was launched. So Weird. it was, like, early in... Mm-hmm. But that this was, like, one of the first cyber sleuthing mm-hmm. cases that the internet exactly. latched onto. Exactly. But she still had a cell phone. She still mm-hmm. has an internet history that we can track up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. It's, like, all of these things are, like, we, we still have a track on her. Mm-hmm. You can't just get rid of that. Yeah. Especially, and, like... Again, she had less than $280. Exactly. What are you, what are you going to do with that money? Nothing. Yeah. Even in 2004. Yeah. And I didn't say this earlier, but she had taken her wallet from the car. So, mm-hmm. like, everything was in there except for her wallet. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to get rid of your identity, you're not going to take your identity. Your identity. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, we're coming up to an end. No matter what issues were going on in her life at the time of her disappearance, it's important to remember that regardless of the conspiracies into her life, that she was a fun, lighthearted, funny person that was adored by everyone who knew her. Quote, there are so many things that could have happened, her brothers told the Boston Globe. It's going to take someone coming forward with a piece of information to solve it, and it's probably something simple. Like blood in the closet that you haven't tested <laughs> anyways that's the story Just saying <laughs> that's the story of maura murray did she walk away from the crash to seek help or to avoid police did she go into the forest and die of exposure did someone offer her a ride or did she disappear like she wanted to oh gosh that was good thanks thank it you was for a lot that. there Look, was there are so many more theories about what happened to her it's truly, like, mm-hmm. if you want to know more about her, and, like, <sighs> there's one theory that I took out that I am was vaguely interested in, but the, it was this idea that she wasn't upset about her sister, that she had acted in a hit and run, and she was so stressed and wanting to run away because she was already on probation, so if she got caught with hit and run, uh-huh. and some people claim that the damage to her car, that when it was found, doesn't match her running into a snowbank. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's so much. But that it's one... wild. That one, the hit-and-run victim who's still alive was like, nah, it wasn't... It wasn't her. <laughs> yeah. Quit, quit dragging me into this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was gonna leave it out, but now I've dragged him into this, and I apologize, sir, I don't know your name. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I was just gonna... I wanted to tell you the book. Oh, yeah. That I listened to. The book that I listened to is called True Crime Addict, How I Lost Myself in the Mysterious Disappearance of Maura Murray. This guy... I, he thinks James she's Renner. James Renner thinks she's in Canada. He does. He, th- I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's right either. But, but when I listen to the book and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things, I, I, I listened to the book and then did a little bit of side research, just Googling yeah. by myself about the dogs yeah. in the A-frame house, which I was like, look, it, all of this points to the A-frame house. Yeah. And it's fucking terrifying yeah it's new people in the a-frame and danny just asked if it was still the brother but it is it is not it, it is. is not yeah that guy james renner who wrote mm-hmm. that book is a very good book yeah but when it comes right down to it and he's 
kind of summarizing these things Mm -hmm. based on, like, people recognizing her and saying, oh, well, we saw her in, you know, Toronto in a a record shop or something Mm -hmm. like that. It was like, "Mm." yeah, there's just too, like you said, there's just too many things that say she's not sophisticated enough Mm -hmm. to be able to like detach herself from everything in her life and just disappear to go start over somewhere new yeah like that's some crazy mastermind yeah shit yeah and like also with that guy james renner Mm -hmm. fred murray does not like him because (laughs) in his book he had lightly claimed that Fred may have been sexually assaulting his yes! daughter. Which was like And mm. there's a there's a seven part oxygen special that I haven't watched but I'm going to. Uh-huh. But true in True Crime Obsessed, they played clips of it. Uh-huh. And they ask Fred Murray about it. Uh-huh. And he was like No. Like I n- would never do that. And like the fact that I have to respond to it and that it's now out there, people are going to latch onto it. And you're like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was, it was really upsetting. It's, it is really upsetting. And like you said, at the beginning, there's just a little sprinkling of like victim blaming. Yeah. Slash like slut shaming. Mm-hmm. All of these things where it's like, she's just barely an adult. Yeah. She's out on her own, Mm -hmm. trying to live her life, making some bad decisions. Yeah. Like we all do. Mm -hmm. Like, can we give her a fucking break? She's a victim and we don't know where she is. Yeah. So instead of going, oh, well, she was drinking or, oh, well, she had this boyfriend and she had problems with him and, Mm -hmm. or this or that or the other thing. Mm -hmm. She's missing. Can we just try to do some shit to find her, please? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Maybe we should start a true crime podcast. <laughs> We'd have more listeners for sure. <laughs> but our, our, the market would be just, it's, that's a really, flooded. yeah, that's a flooded market. <laughs> it's a lot of true crime. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not enough women's history. Yeah. I want to just shove it in people's faces. Shove it up their go-go. <laughs> just <laughs> elbow deep. <laughs> Vagina, t- they tent. The vagina's tent when things go Grandma's in there. bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. boy. Well, that's that. Well, if you liked that, <laughs> just comment Grandma's bush and give us five stars. <laughs> wherever Please. you're listening. I will. Oh, my gosh. We will look. We're going to do something exciting. If it happens, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. But <laughs> What exciting thing? <laughs> I don't... I'll think of something. If we regarding get a comment... Grandma's in, bush? No, not regard it, but, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. in, <laughs> in reference to, okay. maybe. I don't know. Okay. Some, we'll do something special. <laughs> if somebody gives us five stars and comments, Grandma's bush, <laughs> I will pee my pants laughing <laughs> Okay, so if you enjoyed any of this <laughs> nonsense, <laughs> please follow us on our social medias. On Twitter, we are at Broads Got Moxie, mm-hmm. and on Instagram and Facebook, we are at That Broads Got Moxie. Mm-hmm. 
Also, if you want to, if you desire to, please email us at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. Yeah, we want to hear all your, like, spooky stories. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened tomorrow morning? <gasps> yeah. Theories. We want theories. And if you think she's in Canada, go ahead and leave that in your drafts. Go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to hear that garbage. Yeah, that's all we got. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to speak into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.